Chapter Thirty One of the Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Annalisa Bodker. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. Chapter Thirty One now to return to tom and becky's share in the picnic they tripped along the murky aisles with the rest of the company visiting the familiar wonders of the cave wonders dubbed with rather over-descriptive names such as the drawing-room the cathedral aladdin's palace and so on presently the hide-and-seek frolicking began and tom and becky engaged in it with zeal until the exertion began to grow a trifle wearisome then they wandered down a sinuous avenue holding their candles aloft and reading the tangled webwork of names dates post-office addresses and mottoes with which the rocky walls had been frescoed in candle smoke still drifting along and talking they scarcely noticed that they were now in a part of the cave whose walls were not frescoed they smoked their own names under an overhanging shelf and moved on presently they came to a place where a little stream of water trickling over a ledge and carrying a limestone sediment with it had in the slow dragging ages formed a laced and ruffled niagara in gleaming and imperishable stone tom squeezed his small body behind it in order to illuminate it for becky's gratification he found that it curtained a sort of steep natural stairway which was enclosed between narrow walls and at once the ambition to be a discoverer seized him becky responded to his call and they made a smoke mark for future guidance and started upon their quest they wound this way and that far down into the secret depths of the cave made another mark and branched off in search of novelties to tell the upper world about in one place they found a spacious cavern from whose ceiling depended a multitude of shining stalactites of the length and circumference of a man's leg they walked all about it wondering and admiring and presently left it by one of the numerous passages that opened into it this shortly brought them to a bewitching spring whose basin was encrusted with a frost-work of glittering crystals it was in the midst of a cavern whose walls were supported by many fantastic pillars which had been formed by the joining of great stalactites and stalagmites together the result of the ceaseless water-drip of centuries under the roof vast knots of bats had packed themselves together thousands in a bunch the lights disturbed the creatures and they came flocking down by the hundreds squeaking and darting furiously at the candles tom knew their ways and the danger of this sort of conduct he seized becky's hand and hurried her into the first corridor that offered and none too soon for a bat struck becky's light out with its wing while she was passing out of the cavern the bats chased the children a good distance but the fugitives plunged into every new passage that offered and at last got rid of the perilous things 
tom found a subterranean lake shortly which stretched its dim length away until its shape was lost in the shadows he wanted to explore its borders but concluded it would be best to sit down and rest a while first now for the first time the deep stillness of the place laid a clammy hand upon the spirits of the children becky said why i didn't notice but it seems ever so long since i heard any of the others come to think becky we are away down below them and i don't know how far away north or south or east or whichever it is we couldn't hear them here becky grew apprehensive i wonder how long we've been down here tom we better start back yes i reckon we better perhaps we better can you find the way tom it's all a mixed-up crookedness to me i reckon i could find it but then the bats if they put our candles out it will be an awful fix let's try some other way so as not to go through there well but i hope we won't get lost it would be so awful and the girl shuddered at the thought of the dreadful possibilities they started through a corridor and traversed it in silence a long way glancing at each new opening to see if there was anything familiar about the look of it but they were all strange every time tom made an examination becky would watch his face for an encouraging sign and he would say cheerily oh it's all right this ain't the one but we'll come to it right away but he felt less and less hopeful with each failure and presently began to turn off into diverging avenues at sheer random in desperate hope of finding the one that was wanted he still said it was all right but there was such a leaden dread at his heart that the words had lost their ring and sounded just as if he had said all is lost becky clung to his side in an anguish of fear and tried hard to keep back the tears but they would come at last she said oh tom never mind the bats let's go back that way we seem to get worse and worse off all the time listen said he profound silence silence so deep that even their breathings were conspicuous in the hush tom shouted the call went echoing down the empty aisles and died out in the distance in a faint sound that resembled a ripple of mocking laughter oh don't do it again tom it is too horrid said becky it is horrid but i better becky they might hear us you know and he shouted again the might was an even chillier horror than the ghostly laughter it so confessed a perishing hope the children stood still and listened but there was no result tom turned upon the back track at once and hurried his steps it was but a little while before a certain indecision in his manner revealed another fearful fact to becky he could not find his way back oh tom you didn't make any marks becky i was such a fool such a fool i never thought we might want to come back no i can't find the way it's all mixed up tom tom we're lost we're lost we never can get out of this awful place oh why did we ever leave the others she sank to the ground and burst into such a frenzy of crying 
that tom was appalled with the idea that she might die or lose her reason he sat down by her and put his arms around her she buried her face in his bosom she clung to him she poured out her terrors her unavailing regrets and the far echoes turned them all to jeering laughter tom begged her to pluck up hope again and she said she could not he fell to blaming and abusing himself for getting her into this miserable situation this had a better effect she said she would try to hope again she would get up and follow wherever he might lead if only he would not talk like that any more for he was no more to blame than she she said so they moved on again aimlessly simply at random all they could do was to move keep moving for a little while hope made a show of reviving not with any reason to back it but only because it is its nature to revive when the spring has not been taken out of it by age and familiarity with failure by and by tom took becky's candle and blew it out this economy meant so much words were not needed becky understood and her hope died again she knew that tom had a whole candle and three or four pieces in his pockets yet he must economize by and by fatigue began to assert its claims the children tried to pay attention for it was dreadful to think of sitting down when time was grown to be so precious moving in some direction in any direction was at least progress and might bear fruit but to sit down was to invite death and shorten its pursuit at last becky's frail limbs refused to carry her farther she sat down tom rested with her and they talked of home and the friends there and the comfortable beds and above all the light becky cried and tom tried to think of some way of comforting her but all his encouragements were grown threadbare with use and sounded like sarcasms fatigue bore so heavily upon becky that she drowsed off to sleep tom was grateful he sat looking into her drawn face and saw it grow smooth and natural under the influence of pleasant dreams and by and by a smile dawned and rested there the peaceful face reflected somewhat of peace and healing into his own spirit and his thoughts wandered away to bygone times and dreamy memories while he was deep in his musings becky woke up with a breezy little laugh but it was stricken dead upon her lips and a groan followed it oh how could i sleep i wish i never never had waked no no i don't tom don't look so i won't say it again i'm glad you slept becky you'll feel rested now and we'll find a way out we can try tom but i've seen such a beautiful country in my dream i reckon we are going there maybe not maybe not cheer up becky and let's go on trying they rose up and wandered along hand in hand and hopeless they tried to estimate how long they had been in the cave but all they knew was that it seemed days and weeks and yet it was plain that this could not be for their candles were not gone yet a long time after this they could not tell how long tom said they must go softly and listen for dripping water they must find a spring 
they found one presently and tom said it was time to rest again both were cruelly tired yet becky said she thought she could go a little farther she was surprised to hear tom descend she could not understand it they sat down and tom fastened his candle to the wall in front of them with some clay thought was soon busy nothing was said for some time then becky broke the silence tom i am so hungry tom took something out of his pocket do you remember this said he becky almost smiled it's our wedding cake tom yes and i wish it was as big as a barrel for it's all we've got i saved it from the picnic for us to dream on tom the way grown-up people do with wedding cake but it'll be our she dropped the sentence where it was tom divided the cake and becky ate with good appetite while tom nibbled at his moiety there was abundance of cold water to finish the feast with by and by becky suggested that they move on again tom was silent a moment then he said becky can you bear it if i tell you something becky's face paled but she thought she could well then becky we must stay here where there's water to drink that little piece is our last candle becky gave loose to tears and wailings tom did what he could to comfort her but with little effect at length becky said tom well becky they'll miss us and hunt for us yes they will certainly they will maybe they're hunting for us now tom why i reckon maybe they are i hope they are when would they miss us tom when they get back to the boat i reckon tom it might be dark then would they notice we hadn't come i don't know but anyway your mother would miss you as soon as they got home a frightened look in becky's face brought tom to his senses and he saw that he had made a blunder becky was not to have gone home that night the children became silent and thoughtful in a moment a new burst of grief from becky showed tom that the thing in his mind had struck hers also that the sabbath morning might be half spent before mrs thatcher discovered that becky was not at mrs harper's the children fastened their eyes upon their bit of candle and watched it melt slowly and piteously away saw the half inch of wick stand alone at last saw the feeble flame rise and fall climb the thin column of smoke linger at its top a moment and then the horror of utter darkness reigned how long afterward it was that becky came to a slow consciousness that she was crying in tom's arms neither could tell all that they knew was that after what seemed a mighty stretch of time both awoke out of a dead stupor of sleep and resumed their miseries once more tom said it might be sunday now maybe monday he tried to get becky to talk but her sorrows were too oppressive all her hopes were gone tom said they must have been missed long ago and no doubt the search was going on he would shout and maybe someone would come he tried it but in the darkness the distant echoes sounded so hideously that he tried it no more the hours wasted away and hunger came to torment the captives again 
a portion of tom's half of the cake was left they divided and ate it but they seemed hungrier than before the poor morsel of food only whetted desire by and by tom said shh did you hear that both held their breath and listened there was a sound like the faintest far-off shout instantly tom answered it and leading becky by the hand started groping down the corridor in its direction presently he listened again again the sound was heard and apparently a little nearer it's them said tom they're coming come along becky we're all right now the joy of the prisoners was almost overwhelming their speed was slow however because pitfalls were somewhat common and had to be guarded against they shortly came to one and had to stop it might be three feet deep it might be a hundred there was no passing it at any rate tom got down on his breast and reached as far down as he could no bottom they must stay there and wait until the searchers came they listened evidently the distant shoutings were growing more distant a moment or two more and they had gone altogether the heart-sinking misery of it tom whooped until he was hoarse but it was of no use he talked hopefully to becky but an age of anxious waiting passed and no sounds came again the children groped their way back to the spring the weary time dragged on they slept again and awoke famished and woe-stricken tom believed it must be tuesday by this time now an idea struck him there were some side passages near at hand it would be better to explore some of these than bear the weight of the heavy time and idleness he took a kite line from his pocket tied it to a projection and he and becky started tom in the lead unwinding the line as he groped along at the end of twenty steps the corridor ended in a jumping-off place tom got down on his knees and felt below and then as far around the corner as he could reach with his hands conveniently he made an effort to stretch yet a little farther to the right and at that moment not twenty yards away a human hand holding a candle appeared from behind a rock tom lifted up a glorious shout and instantly that hand was followed by the body it belonged to injun joe's tom was paralyzed he could not move he was vastly gratified the next moment to see the spaniard take to his heels and get himself out of sight tom wondered that joe had not recognized his voice and come over and killed him for testifying in court but the echoes must have disguised the voice without doubt that was it he reasoned tom's fright weakened every muscle in his body he said to himself that if he had strength enough to get back to the spring he would stay there and nothing should tempt him to run the risk of meeting injun joe again he was careful to keep from becky what it was he had seen he told her he had only shouted for luck but hunger and wretchedness rise superior to fears in the long run another tedious wait at the spring and another long sleep brought changes the children awoke tortured with a raging hunger tom believed it must be wednesday or thursday or even friday or saturday now and that the search had been given over he proposed to explore another passage he felt willing to risk injun joe and all other terrors but becky was very weak 
she had sunk into a dreary apathy and would not be roused she said she would wait now where she was and die it would not be long she told tom to go with the kite line and explore if he chose but she implored him to come back every little while and speak to her and she made him promise that when the awful time came he would stay by her and hold her hand until all was over tom kissed her with a choking sensation in his throat and made a show of being confident of finding the searchers or an escape from the cave then he took the kite line in his hand and went groping down one of the passages on his hands and knees distressed with hunger and sick with bodings of coming doom end of chapter thirty one recording by annalisa bodker